0: you are listening to this is spinal crap the podcast about living well with a spinal cord injury remember if you heard it on this is spinal crap it's probably not medically correct so always check with your spinal unit or an appropriate medical professional this is spinal crap is sponsored by colorplast providing effective solutions for bladder and bowel management.
1: Hello, and welcome back to This Is Spinal Crap. Uh, We have a really great episode for you guys today. I think Ruth and I were inspired for this one after one of the great Spinal Crap cafes that we do every Thursday at 3 p.m. A couple of weeks ago, where we somehow got onto the topic of animals and it kind of turned into a bit of a show and tell. I think everyone had a different pet. We had dogs and cats and even a giant African snail. Um, And I think it made us really think about how important animals can be in times of great trauma and like how significant getting a cat was for me when I was discharged. So today, of course, we have Ruth joining us, who has very kindly lent me the reins for this episode. So thank you, Ruth. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good and you're a natural. I'm happy for you to do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, you don't have a pair at the moment, Ruth, but I've heard you've applied to foster or adopt a dog. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I've applied to adopt a dog. I wanted to foster one at the start of lockdown because I just thought it would be nice company because I live by myself. Um, And I've always wanted a dog and never thought that I could have one because, well, I've always kind of been coming and going a lot. And... um, So, yeah, and I just, the idea has just been growing on me more and more and more. And then every time I see a dog, I want to steal it. So I thought, okay, maybe I should not steal a dog and get my own one. So, yeah, I've applied to adopt one and I'm really excited. Oh,
1: nice. And we've got Chris back in the house. Chris has kindly taken some time to fit us into his work schedule. How are you doing, Chris?
0: I'm very well, thank you very well. Glad to be back. Good to see you guys.
1: Yeah, good to see you too. And we have a very special guest joining us today, all the way from Sydney. I think we're having, we're having all the first at the moment. and I think this is our first guest from Australia. So welcome to the podcast, Sam. How are you doing today? Thanks, guys. Good, good. Sam is a two-time world para-surf champion. Um, she's also a Spinal Cure and Wings for Life ambassador and of an all-round badass, I think. Um, I'm so glad you could join us because I think you have a particularly interesting animal story. I don't think many people could say they rescued a magpie and named it Penguin. Um, I've also just finished the book that your husband wrote about penguins' impact on your family and your recovery. I recommend everyone read it. It's uh, called Penguin Bloom and it's a wonderful story and it's got really, really beautiful photographs. Can you tell us a bit about how you got Penguin and like what
3: inspired that name? I was in hospital for like, what, seven months. And then when I came home, I obviously wasn't in a very good headspace. And, um, I think it was about three months after I got out of hospital, we went to my mom's house. Like she just lives at the next beach and my son, it was really super windy and, um, I wasn't driving at the time. So mom had to drive me home and then, um, we went to go around to her car and my mom my my son noticed a little baby magpie it had been blown out of the nest and so you know obviously we picked her up because we thought she would die if we left her and yeah we brought her home and she stayed with us like a couple of years so yeah she was really cool and we called her penguin because i know it says so silly because she was black and white and she kind of looked like a penguin a baby penguin so yeah that's that, that that's how story came about I am. Um, I love the
1: quote in the book that said, um, "Penguins' complete transformation is a daily reminder that we are not our past, no matter how traumatic or life changing it might have been." And I think that's really true. I think you see so many animals that are kind of abused or rescued and rehabilitated and like completely transformed. And I think, I don't know. I think that gives a lot of hope to the fact that humans can transform as well. I don't know what you guys think.
3: <laughs> I think it's a bit of a slow process. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I still struggle. I've been, I've been like seven and a half years and I still struggle with this. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe I need more animals.
2: <laughs> Help we get through it. I think when we had the cafe, Grace mentioned that when everybody was talking about their animals, a lot of people, um, what came out of it was that a lot of people, the animals really helped with the struggles, just the mental struggles that everybody had, which really inspired me as well to go ahead and make that application for the dog, because I'd been thinking about it for so long. And after we had that cafe, I was like, yeah, I'm doing it now. Um, But yeah, and I think, and also myself and Grace have been talking a lot lately about all the um you know t- t- trying to keep positive and you know struggling a little bit and all of those things and um, and i definitely think uh, i'm looking forward to having a dog because i think that it's really good i know that in the past i've had animals and they've really made me happy so
3: yeah they definitely make you happy definitely and they're good to talk to they kind of don't talk bad they just listen to you yeah and you can tell them everything which is what i like because I used to tell Penguin everything, everything that was going on in my head. And it makes you feel better. And and it's nice looking after something. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you talk about looking after Penguin
1: when she was sick. And was that like empowering in a way for you? Because I think a lot, I mean, we're, we're rarely the caregivers as people with spinal cord injuries. I think we get
3: very used to being the care receivers um, in that sense yeah no definitely. I think it's like you know because I've got like three boys, and obviously i wasn't I'm not the same mom as I was before the accident, so yeah, I felt like guilty, feel like a crappy mom, um, and my confidence just like I had like zero confidence in my abilities to look after anything, so I guess, yeah, looking after penguin did make me feel a little bit better, and yeah, gave me a bit of a purpose, and it made her smile and happy and she was really funny and cute. <laughs> You think it's weird, but yeah. I have another one up here. Another bird. Yeah, we have two now. <laughs> yeah, she's so she's so annoying. She's not annoying. She's not as cute as Payman, but she comes flying into our bedroom all the time and wants to sleep up on the windowsill.
1: Oh my god! This kind of cute.
3: Birds being yeah. so, so you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they're really right. around the house. Yeah, that's the problem. I oh, know it's kind of gross and because we have the two of them, so as long as she has her tail facing out the window, I don't mind. He's in the <laughs> food, case outside. No, you can edit all this out.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, no, keep it in. Good. And Chris, you have a lovely mm. little dog called Alfie. Um, I saw a really lovely video uh, that you sent me of the first time that um Alfie saw you in a wheelchair, and it nearly brought me to tears. I think. You've kindly allowed us to share that on our social media pages, so the listeners can see. But can you tell us a bit about how it felt seeing your dog again after your injury?
0: Um, God, it was. It was. Uh, I'd asked my mum and dad to bring him to the hospital for for a while now, um, because they live down on the coast, and um, they were staying up in uh, my old house whilst I was in hospital, and he was with our. Um, our family friends who were looking after him for months upon end, so they hadn't seen him in ages. Um, so it was almost like reuniting all of us together. Um, and yeah, and when he first sort of saw me, he I, I think Sam touched upon it earlier, I think a, a pet's love is unconditional. I, don't, I personally don't think they see your disability, I just think they see you for, for who you are. Um, and uh, if you treat them well, um, you know, I think all they care about is a, can you give them a good walk and B, can you feed them? <laughs> um, I think that's all that really goes through their mind sometimes. And, um, uh, yeah, and, you know, when you see, I think there's something about as well as seeing their excitement when they see you, cause you are their everything. And, um, I think it doesn't matter if you have a disability or not, but I think for sometimes it's just to have something else see you as their everything can be, um, can be really something and Then when I became to see in hospital, uh, oh, I was, it was fantastic. He, he jumped up on my bed, which I'm not sure was allowed. Um, but break all the rules. Why not? <laughs> it was, it was amazing. And then I have, uh, two other sort of adopted dogs with Daisy's family, uh, George and Bella, who are two little Westies and, um, they came to see me as well. And, yeah, they're often in their own little world. Bless them, but they're they're, they're really cute. And it's just something just to just I don't know, I think you know just spending time with an animal is just it's just so relaxing. Um, especially when it feels like especially when you're in hospital, not your world's crumbling around you, but yeah, uh, everything's moving at a million miles per hour. I think just a pet can help up slow everything down and just ground you a little bit. That's how certainly how I felt anyway when when they came to see me.
1: Yeah and I really like what you just said about unconditional love because I think when I first got out of hospital when I was in hospital I felt I felt like just I was a bit broken now because I'd had my injury and I kind of felt like I was maybe less deserving of love and and then getting a pet who just thinks you're just the best thing ever because you feed them and you know you play with them and it just kind of made me feel like oh yeah actually I can be loved again <laughs> um I think that was really really special um I wanted to ask you also Chris how important was Alfie kind of in your recovery and when after you um got out of hospital
0: well really important so um I think a trap I fell into when I left hospital and I still sometimes fall back into it is I just don't really feel like leaving the house um, some, some days where I just sort of like, well, you know, I can't be bothered to go for a wheel around or, you know, try and balance on the uneven pavements that are in my local area and the parks and uh, with the broken up pavements and, and stuff like that. Um, and when I was staying with with Alfie, um, you know, it, it was more of a, I felt like a responsibility to get out for him, um, so uh, I actually was was out and about much more often when 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 we were together, because it was almost unfair for me to stay in the house just with him. It would make me want to go out and watch him. I don't know, chase other dogs around and just be a general nuisance to to everyone who comes anywhere near him. Um, and, you know, it was, it was really good exercise when, uh, you know, to, to go out and walk him and I still try and uh, when, I, when I go down to see my mom and dad and go visit him, you know, we'll, we'll always go for a walk, um, you know, around the uh, along the coastline and so on. So I think it, it was personally just just for my own sort of mental well-being and and uh, staying fit was was really handy because I was, you know, rather than just sort of thinking about myself, I had someone else to think about um and not force myself out but definitely felt guilty for not going out um and then spend much more much more time outside um and as well you know now today because i spend spent so much time out with with Alfie now i just, just you know just don't fear going out anymore just try and get out as, as much as possible but yeah i mean he was he was absolutely fantastic and then and also just just i don't know i just find dogs and pets just always somehow make you laugh at least once a day um I just, just whether I don't know what we used to just I just used to not wind him up a little bit but you know he's, he's he's quite playful and then sometimes you know he would come into um my room with like he has like you know a, a bunch of toys and um he just drops it in front of me and just stares at me until until we you know he breaks me and I have to start playing with him um you know and it's it, sometimes he I don't know I don't know how they do this but they always know when the right time is to come and do that to you whether I'm just like sitting on the bed and I don't know, had an accident or, you know, I'm just, I don't know, feeling down about things. And then all of a sudden he walks in with like, I don't know, Terry the tiger or something. Um, you know, we have a little battle or something. I, I, I don't know how they know, but it's just, you know, I, yeah. It's, it's hard to describe how much of an impact I think a pet can have on, on your recovery and, uh, you know, your mental well-being and everything. I, I think, you know, if you're able to go after one, i, I definitely think it's, it's well worth the, the time investment.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like sometimes when I'm lying in bed on the sofa and just, it's just like my cat knows when I'm really having a really crap time. Like I just, they she'll just come up to me and I'll be like, have you, it's like you've got some weird sense. We've got some weird connection where you know, you know when to come up and I don't know, be cuddly with me. It's interesting. Did you find that with Sam? Um, that Penguin sort
3: of kind of understood you in that way? Yeah, I guess. I mean, she was like on me all the time, or like all day, like on my lap or just sitting on my shoulder, especially when she was a baby. So, yeah, so she, yeah, we would spend like literally all day together and then she would just sleep inside. But, yeah, like Chris said, like she would always make me laugh. Like, yeah, you're having a really shitty day and, you know, everything. I don't know. Yeah, when she met everything, but then, yeah they would do something really silly or funny and yeah, they just brighten up your day, which is what you need sometimes. So yeah, no, they're, they're unreal. Animals are super special. And I think in your,
1: your book, I think your, your partner talks about how penguin was just always there for anything you were doing. Um, and it sounds like the same for you, Chris. And I think that that was really important to me to have this, like, like I had my partner and my family, but just to have this little, creature that was with me for like any home appointment I had, any kind of exercises I was doing at home, any time I felt really crap. It was just it was just really I don't know, it was just really important to have this little little fairy thing that was with me through like every step of and challenge of like my I don't know, my time after hospital so far. Um, And I think that's really meaningful. So I'm excited, Ruth, for you to get your little furry, whatever it may be.
2: I'm getting even more and more excited the more we talk about animals um, I, I just, and and also I think yeah, it's really important what you guys were saying about mental well-being because part of the reason that I wanted a dog is because there are days when I just couldn't be bothered with the world like you were saying Chris getting up and you know or going out it's like no don't feel like going out today you just want to like, kind of wallow in self-pity at home um, which is obviously not good for anybody although I do think that a certain little bit of wallowing is totally allowed you know? <laughs> from time to time definitely but, allowed. yeah I, I do think that having to look after an animal and um, is you know something that will make it kind of you, you have to get up you don't have a choice you have to go out and um, and every time I go outside the door it always makes me feel better you know and I think being outside is such a great cure to not cure but a great help on a bad day um but sometimes you just couldn't be bothered um i i said to my friend the other day that i was kind of i was wondering if i was doing the right thing because i thought oh if i'm having a bad day and i couldn't be arsed with the world and i said i don't want to have a dog that's not fair to the dog if i'm ignoring the dog and my friend says to me the dog won't ignore you <laughs> so i thought that was great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I I just watched Afterlife on um, Netflix and the Ricky Gervais in it, he's he's kind of suicidal because his wife has died. And every time he thinks about um, committing suicide, his dog comes up to him and is like just barking him because he needs to. A walk or he needs to eat so every time he nearly he nearly does it he has to feed the dog or he has to walk the dog and so it's like a reason to he has to live because he has to look after this this creature that he has like responsibility for um and i really like that i think i think especially with a dog i think that you know getting you out and about sometimes i i have taken her on walks before but she's not very good at um going on them.
2: (laughs) Your cat is called Habibi.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Is Um, it from Palestine? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I got it from, yeah, I've got friends in Palestine. They always call the, they always call people Habibi and I thought it was just a cute, a cute name. Um, But she was very small and very cute and now she's just this huge Creature that can't even really sit on me because she's just there's so much of her. Um, but it was very cute when she was small because I could pick her up, but now I have no strength to. What kind of cat is she? She's a Norwegian forest cat. It's a great breed, I recommend. They're very um, friendly and active and very big. They're like the second biggest breed in the world. But, um, oh wow, yeah,
2: That's awesome. That's she's great. like a
1: tiger, <laughs> yeah, she's a, bit like a tiger. <laughs> but, um, I wish I had, I almost wish I had a smaller creature that I could like pick up myself because I, I just can't catch, she's too heavy, I can't carry her anywhere. Um, I just fold into myself, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. You should get a little rabbit, I'd love a little rabbit. Oh, I used to have a rabbit. I think that they poop a lot, though, on the floor as well, which is an issue. (laughs) So, Sam, in the book, you wrote an epilogue for it. Um, And I really like that you you were very honest and you didn't sugarcoat kind of anything. And I think that's really important because I think Ruth and I, we've been talking about how we we feel like we, we worry that we show quite a positive side online of spinal cord injury, which I think is great. It's good to be positive and kind of inspire and uplift people. But I think at times we avoid talking about sort of the more tough, like the more tough conversations. Um, So I did really like how honest you were. Um, Was that difficult to be so
3: honest? No. No, I, I, I hate it so much, I could never sugarcoat it. Yeah, I just have to be honest. I mean, I don't go around like, you know, carrying on like, you know, minging to everybody. But, you know, um, yeah, I have to be honest. Yeah, I have to keep it real kind of thing.
2: What what was it that, sorry, because I haven't read it, apologies. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. What, I know. what, what you out in, the, in the epilogue? Well, mate, you know,
3: I haven't read it for like bloody years um it was just like what was it like I don't know you feel like you're like a hundred years old kind of thing um I guess there's probably a lot of guilt in there like being like a bad wife bad friend bad mom you know um all of that yeah I think I was just just said it how it is she's trying to keep it as real as possible yeah, like like I said, never sugarcoated it. Never said, never said like you know, oh it'll it'll all oh, get better. I mean, yeah, it gets easier sure as the time goes on, but I could never say I personally don't think I'll ever accept it. Like it's not like gonna, you know, I'm not going to be like, yeah, I'm cool with being in a wheelchair and never being able to go running or mountain biking or you know playing soccer again because I don't think I ever will be cool with that because I miss it too much. Cause that's what I used to do. That was me. That was the old me, always doing like surfing and you know, mountain biking, running, just having a good. Life. I had a good life. I guess that's what I miss. I miss my old life. So, what about you guys? Are you the same?
2: I have moments. I have moments. If I'm honest, and um, and I there are some things that I miss desperately and i and i won't be able to accept that i can't do those things again and i keep saying well it's okay i'm still recovering because i'm still so early on in my recovery i'm only two years in so i haven't quite got to the point where i'm like okay this is me now i still think i can get better i can get better i can still keep improving so i just the moment just keep searching for that and then the things that i miss i haven't ruled them out yet and i think when the day comes where i have to rule some things out it's gonna be a bad. They're gonna need a dog around on that day. So I don't really laugh, but that's just a thing that I do. I just kind of, you know, I would try put on the positive, turn a little positive spin on everything as much as I can. But it doesn't necessarily this is exactly what myself and Grace were talking about, it doesn't necessarily reflect how you feel day to day. Um and it is good that we all have positive outlooks a lot of the time, but you know, we do have to recognise that there are there are times when you don't.
0: I, th- I think I've done a really good job of substituting the stuff that I miss. So I was a big football fan, uh, player, played a lot of golf, um, was was fairly active. Um, and, you know, now I, I go watch more football than, than I've ever watched. Um, I'm trying to go watch some golf, hopefully soon, <laughs> who knows when. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think that that's, for the moment, done a, a fair good job, you know, similar to Rufo, I'm only two years post-injury. Um, I think what more frustrates me is especially something I've really noticed in lockdown is um, I I think it just in terms of having um, availability of fun stuff to do in a wheelchair. Um, So for instance, if you're going to go play tennis, um, it's hard to do that in in your manual chair. You often need a specialist tennis wheelchair. And then they don't come cheap. And then especially if you want one that's, that's quite well fitted, so, so I'm six foot six, and I can't just sit in any standard tennis wheelchair that that's around. Um, and it, it can sometimes separate you from your friends. So, you know, in the UK, they've recently allowed people to go play golf over a weekend now. So all my friends are uh, are spending time on a golf course, and there's a of me that's thinking, God, I'd love to to go join them. And the stuff we'd normally do together, like go watch football or... Um, I don't know, just go to the pub or do something. Um, you know, now I'm sort of, uh, I feel really, um, apart from, from, from those guys. Um, so I just think just finding ways, or just think more things. I, again, it, it sort of falls on me to perhaps do more research and stuff, but things where, where I can, um, do stuff like for more fun sporting activities with my able-bodied friends. Um, and I just need to, I think, do a better job of, of, of finding stuff that we can do together that doesn't require us either all to be in a wheelchair or, or all being able to, to run around. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, that's where I am, I guess.
3: Yeah. See, I found like, like the first few years really hard cause I didn't see anybody because kind of where we live, we live on the beach, right. And everyone, everyone up here is really active. Everyone surfs, you know, it's all outdoor stuff. And so I kind of tended to, um, I didn't want to see any of my friends because I know that they've probably just been running or been to the beach. And I think I kept myself in a little, my twisted little bubble. Cause I think when I saw them and they tell me it would just make it worse. So I kind of like protecting myself just by staying at home and I don't know, not seeing anyone. And Sam, did you, did it make you angry? Yeah, yeah. not at them, not at them at just at the situation. Yeah. yeah no. I found
2: myself recently watching, there's a TV show in, on the BBC called uh, Race Across the World. And it's basically just these teams that are racing, uh, you know, from one point to another in the world. And they come up with all these obstacles and everything. And I was actually getting angry watching it because I just thought, like I used to travel a lot before my injury and I was always joking on and off of stupid buses and having crazy encounters with locals. And that's exactly the kind of stuff that I used to do by choice, you know? And I'm like, oh, well, that's the stuff that I'm wondering. I'm like, I, I hate to say, and I'm not going to say that I'll never do something like that again, but I really feel like that when I had my injury, um, the day I had my injury, I went into hospital as a young woman and I came out as an old woman and I'm like, where is the middle gone? Do you know where is it gone? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah.
3: yeah yep because yeah before my accident i didn't feel like i was like what was i, I was 41 so i was he's older than you guys but like yeah i never felt old because i was like always riding skateboards and you know doing fun things but yeah man when i came out of hospital I felt like a dinosaur I felt like a geriatric and I still kind of do in a way you know because you go to the supermarket or whatever i'm always with someone but then like an old person would always come up to me and go oh do you need a hand and it's just like oh my god like You know it's super nice of them but yeah it just makes you feel so old and like yeah kind of decrepit
2: how about you grace
3: yeah i think
1: i i it's uh i think chris made a really good point i i get really frustrated by how inaccessible the world is and how difficult it is to do like an activity that You would do with your friends but you need some sort of special equipment that costs thousands of pounds or you need to plan ahead or rent something out there's like there's just all these steps involved now and i think for me i am a very positive person which is good i think in some senses but sometimes i think i i sort of or get sad about something that I can't do. And I'll be like, Oh, no, but that's fine. Because I'll do this instead. Or, you know, I kind of push it to one side when really, I think it would be better to just address. I think it's always better to be like, yeah, address what you can't do and think, Oh, actually, that is really crap that I can't do that. And like, I'm allowed to feel sad and like grief about the things I can't do. I can't just keep kind of being like, no, maybe I'll do that in the future, or or like, oh, it's fine, I'll do this like wheelchair version of it. But some things aren't the same. And like I think I it's important to realise that because you need to, otherwise you can't grieve, basically.
2: There are a lot of of things, especially we're very blessed to live in London because there's a lot of things that are that we can take advantage of. There's a lot of different charities and a lot of different organizations provide activities. So it is good. But yeah, you're right. It's not 100% the same. But I do feel like there's an opportunity to make some replacements, like Chris has said. And I really find that the benefit of those organizations and those people is that you meet other people who are in the same... Same kind of boat as you. I mean, we all understand each other and how you know these things that we've just discussed. We all understand exactly what the other people are saying. So it's not that you need to make your life be around fill yourself with people with spinal cord injury, but it is. I think it's really helpful to have some friends with spinal cord injury, and I think that's been the great thing about this podcast is that we all get each other, you know, and we're all able to have these discussions. But I think it's it's for me. It's been really a lifeline to have organisations around, like I'm doing at the moment during lockdown and you can't get out much, I'm doing online um, fitness things with access adventures they've got some great stuff going on and i know that Wheelpower have great online stuff and i know it's, it's it's kind of sucks to have to do everything online but there are great cafes and lounges and stuff available at the moment so it could just connect you with that world and maybe i think that makes me feel a little bit better knowing that there is a community there that are there to support you yeah
3: i agree it's much better because um i've been pretty lucky like um where where i live they've sort of built this, it's almost like a hotel, I guess, but it's right on the beach about 15 minutes from my house. And it's only for spinal cord injury. So people come come from anywhere, like all around the world, like, you know, and stay there. And and you're right, it is, like, I used to go there like at least twice a week to use the gym and it's a community. And, you know, you you make friends and and people get it. You know, you can winch to your able-bodied friends as much as you like, but they don't get it. But like, you can winch to you guys and you, you understand. So, yeah, you're right. I think community is pretty important. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think that was, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, Ruth, about um, filling my like Instagram feed with people that have spinal cord injuries because I just needed to see people that I could relate to. I was so sick of seeing able-bodied people doing a sport or kind of, I don't know, wearing nice clothes. I was just, that's all I was seeing. I was seeing no one that looked like how I looked now or how I felt now. And so filling my feed or whatever with just people that in wheelchairs or walkers that are doing, doing things. And then I can think, oh, I can do that because they also have a spinal cord injury and they're doing that. Um, that was really important to me because. I just felt like I was suddenly in this world where I didn't really belong because I, I, I don't know. It, the world is not made for people with disabilities. No, it's a bit tricky.
2: But I can see Grace being one of the people who who changes that. You're going to be the this generation's Judy Human.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind, Ruth, but I'm not sure I will. I do that i think sophie morgan that's the that's the girl i think will will be changing things (laughs) um
2: yeah she's awesome yeah yeah
1: yeah. but i think it's really important to have these conversations because we've spoken before about how people listen to the podcast and they see like my instagram and it's very it's very positive and i feel like i worry that people then think oh i'm fine now like i'm just in a wheelchair but I've got over everything because I'm talking about how great this thing is or this thing in my life is. But um, I think it's important to still talk about, you know, the crap days because otherwise I feel like I'm creating this kind of fake persona online. I don't know what you guys think about
2: that. I'm finding social media quite problematic at the moment. I've had to just take a break. I'm not posting anything. I think after we did that episode with Brie Scalise, I was really inspired to just delete everything off my Instagram. And I was just went and I just I just deleted everybody that I don't actually care about or that I don't. I'm not interested in them or I followed them because I met them once three years ago for ten minutes. Do you know that kind of thing? And I'm like, I have no idea. I can't even remember who this person is. You know, um, which sounds really. Um, shallow but maybe it is but i was just like i i didn't want to see all these people in wheelchairs doing amazing things i also didn't want to see able-bodied people i just got sick of looking at anybody who was doing anything and everybody's so fake online and you can't believe anything that's on there and people are so self-serving and i was just like oh i just want to delete them all and like my Instagram used to be this lovely place where I had beautiful travel photos and I had a lovely little community before my injury, lovely little community of uh, photographers and travelers and people who, you know, from all around the world that I've met in all these weird and wonderful places. And I loved Instagram and Instagram was my community. And then I think after my injury, it was like, right, well, I can't go around taking amazing photos anymore because you can't climb that mountain or you can't hang out the side of that boat or whatever it is the things that you do to take a a nice photo Um, and so I just feel like my photos are shit so that really bothers me I can't balance long enough to actually take a photograph with a camera you need to you need to actually settle for a while and um, and you can't get the angles or the heights that you want. So that really, really is one of the things that pisses me off. But when I see other people's travel photos now, it was really getting me down. And when I see, and then my Instagram kind of changed and it was all about, oh, I've got a spinal cord injury now. And then I thought, I don't want that to be what my Instagram is about because it doesn't define me. And I, you know, and I, then I was like, what do I want my image to be online? And I was like, I don't actually want one. So I've just stopped. For the moment I've just stopped with social media because I'm like, I don't know if I want any of this in my life.
3: Yeah, I'm hearing you. That was like, I was winching to you, Grace, like a couple of nights ago. Yeah, I feel like a total fraud on Instagram because everybody goes, Oh my god, you're so active and you're so busy. And I'm like, Dude, I maybe do something for an hour a day. Yeah, I have a friend who's a personal trainer. Yeah, I train with her five, six days a week, but that's it, you know, and the rest of the time usually bored out of my brain and just, yeah, just don't know, try and fill in the day. So yeah, I feel like a total fraud and it does bother me because I don't know, I hate that. So, but, uh, but then again, I don't want, I can't, I wouldn't ever really post like, you know, a picture of me like freaking losing it, like, you know, crying and carrying on because I don't know, that'd be embarrassing. So yeah, I'm hearing you with the, yeah social media
2: and also i think we're conditioned to expect a certain thing off social media i mean i do remember seeing a video of somebody you know a reasonably big um personality on instagram having a bit of a breakdown and she put it on her her instagram and I was quite. I didn't know whether I should be impressed by it that she actually did it, or if I should be kind of horrified. And I was like, "Oh, she's losing her mind, and she's letting the world know." Like you know, and I didn't really know how to take it because we're not programmed to accept negativity or or. People being upset or whatever. Maybe we need to change our attitudes a little bit to that. But you know what? I think you're not alone in feeling like a fraud on Instagram, Sam. I think everybody's a fraud on Instagram or on any of the social media. We only put up the the good moments. I mean, you you don't say, oh, this morning I had some cornflakes. Here's my bowl of cornflakes. (laughs) You know, you present a wonderful dish that you made like last week and say, (laughs) Hey, I'm a foodie. Here's my beautiful dish. It might have tasted like crap. It looks amazing. It's really
1: hard to find the balance is what I find because I I get annoyed that my, you know, feed looks positive, but then I think god when I was in hospital seeing seeing like young women in wheelchairs on Instagram who were like looked like they were living a great life that was so important to me and that really like gave me a bit of hope that I could have a a good life in a wheelchair so I think it's really hard because I want to still portray like positivity but I don't want to become one of those people that kind of documents every every time I feel crap or I don't know I'm still kind of trying to figure out what's appropriate i think yeah
3: do you have instagram chris
0: yeah i I do um i I have long discussions with a couple of my friends about whether i i can't decide if i absolutely love it or absolutely hate it um for the reasons that we've all we've all mentioned um i really predominantly use mine just as a as a as a to update people where i am uh, and to let everyone know that Chelsea Football Club is the best football club in the entire yeah. world. Purely um, <laughs> serves for those two purposes <laughs> um, I find it's a really good way to let the masses know as to where you are in terms of my recovery. so I've got a, a tiny bit of movement in, in my legs and some I had a really good uh, fundraising uh, whilst I was in the hospital so I, I feel it's almost um, uh, only fair for me to let everyone know you know uh, what I'm doing and, and using the, those funds for. And also to let everyone know that, that Chelsea is the best team in the world.
3: Um, <laughs>
0: um, I, think, I think an easy trap to fall into is, is to benchmark yourself um, against people that you see perhaps further along the journey or even in a similar journey, uh, a similar timeframe to you. Um, and, and I think that the, and we've said this a million times and probably everyone's getting really bored of me saying it, but I think everyone's injury is so different. There's people I follow who have done... Uh, who've done like a marathon a day on some rollers or in the local park. Um, I mean, I struggle to wheel a mile without my shoulders, you know, like they want to fall off. Um, that's because I haven't got any core movement. So I've got, I'm just solely using my arms rather than using sort of any core movement to help, to help drive that. Um, and then there's guys who are lifting a hundred kgs, uh, you know, a couple of months after they hospital. I mean, I don't think I've ever been able to prevent that much, but, um, so I, I just sort of, um, take it as a pinch of salt and I think social media is great to source ideas of stuff that you can do, perhaps that you didn't uh, know that you, that was a thing. So, um, uh, like fencing was something I didn't know was a wheelchair sport. Um, I've seen lots of people do, um, kayaking. Uh, that's probably one of the most obvious things that you could do in a you know, as a wheelchair user, but I wasn't one that was completely on my radar, um. As well as like you know, getting lots of workout ideas and, and stuff like that. So, I think it's just thinking about what you want to get out of it. Um, but it's hard uh, again, just to not again feel like a fraud and that everything is positive and there's rainbows coming out your arsehole. Um,
3: <laughs> you do not have that
0: Unfortunately, not. Right. No, not every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so, yeah, and I've, I've fallen into this trap of um, I really like hating upon some social media people as well. There's people who are like, oh, God, I just can't stand them by. I have to follow them. Yeah. and I don't know why. It's like I love to I love to hate. <laughs> There's also people like oh, she's so annoying or they're so annoying. Mm-hmm. But I have, I have to know. I have to know what they're doing. I, have to follow every move.
2: I think I'm following dogs on Instagram now because they just make me happy all the time.
1: Yeah, I feel like animals, they don't fake anything. I think they're a good. That's a good thing to follow. Just fill your feed with pictures of dogs. Then you can sort of choose which one you'd like, Ruth.
2: Well, I'd like any dog, to be honest, as long as he's not, like, going gonna... to... I, I read this thing, or I saw a YouTube video that said that dogs are quite intuitive about knowing when you have an injury or if you have limited mobility. And I was in, as you know, I was over in in, um, the U.S. for Christmas and my cousin has this gorgeous little dog. And I hung out with the dog all the time. I had a wonderful time. And um, I decided I'd see just in the back garden on the grass if I was able to take the dog out for a walk. Um, Because Sam, I'm a walker, so I went out and I had, you know, my stick in one hand, the dog leash in the other hand, and I was a bit terrified of what was going to happen. She stopped every two or three seconds and turned around and looked at me. She never pulled on the lead, and she pulled on my cousin like my cousin is holding the lead. She'd pull on it and run mad around the place, and but she didn't pull on the lead once. So after that, I was staying at my cousin. I stayed with her for a couple of weeks, and then. I, when she'd be out at work, I was taking the dog for a little walk just around the the, the estate and, you know, and she never, she never pulled on the lead once. Um, and so that made me really think, okay, maybe there's something in that then that, you know, and maybe I can have a dog because after the injury, I especially thought, well, I'll never be able to walk a dog, especially when I was in a wheelchair, I thought, how am I going to walk a dog? Or I don't even know, you know, how people manage that. Chris, how do you walk the dog in the wheelchair?
0: Uh, so I, you can buy these specialist leads that are like pretty much like a belt. So, um, you can strap it around yourself. Um, and you know, it, it literally just acts as like a, like a lead. that is a belt. I've made that sound more complex than it really is. <laughs> um, so you just attach it, uh, So rather than have it on your hands, go flying or you lose balance, he's going to pull you. Um, and Alfie's only, a, he's only a uh, miniature Schnauzer. So he's, he hasn't got enough force to really pull me out way too much for him to do any damage so um but it, it works perfectly it's, it's it's a really really i, I think you can find him on amazon for, for for really cheap so it's a yeah and then he's, he's quite well behaved so i can let him off the lead every now and then as well
2: yeah but you could easily get a dog then if you can walk as well and you can still travel yeah. And I like I've done loads of research and there is a little dog boarding place around the corner from me, which seems absolutely lovely. It's just a couple in their own house who are really seem really sweet. Um, and uh, Grace has been roped in as one of my dog sitters and Grace's mum doesn't has been roped in which she has been and yeah and a few other friends that i've mentioned it to and i was like oh i'm really worried because if i because i live i I am from ireland so if i go to see my parents they live over there if i go to see my parents for a weekend or something like that um well i can't bring the dog to my mother's house my mom is absolutely terrified of dogs any dog doesn't matter how little or whatever she's (laughs) terrified so i wouldn't be bring the dog home with me and so I'd need to have somebody to look after it and uh, any friend I've said it to has been like I'll take the dog I'll take the dog I don't know if that will actually happen once you know there's a dog in the picture but it's been really nice to have people offer so
3: yeah yeah it'd be so lovely it'd be great for you to get a dog I'm so excited (laughs) I don't blame you (laughs) lovely I would like a dog but we don't have any fences. we Do you have other
2: animals Sam?
3: No no, we have bees on the roof and that's about it. Really? Like beehives. <laughs> um, yeah. And just two birds. The two birds. A mopai and a carawong, which is kinda of like a crow. Oh wow. Yeah. But they're you know, they 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 they're free. They 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 do what they want, but they essentially stay inside a lot. They come inside a lot and play. They never fly away. Uh, no. I mean they'll fly away for like most of the day, occasionally but then they always come back. One one day they'll fly away. When they're they're older, I'm sure they'll just take off, which is cool. That's kind of beautiful. (laughs) Lovely.
1: I think that's all we have time for today. It was really uh, lovely to speak to you all. Thank you so much for being on. Um, Ruth, could you tell everyone how they can find us?
2: Yep, yeah, so we are on Instagram at This Is Spinal Crap. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Spinal crap Show. And you can always email us This Is spinal Crap at gmail.com. And if you would like to sign up for our newsletter, you can do that on www.thisispinalcrap.com.
1: Brilliant, and we will continue this conversation at our cafe uh, Thursday at 3 p.m. So looking forward to seeing people there um for now everyone this is spinal crap
2: bye Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: (laughs) thanks for listening to this is spinal crap and thank you to our sponsors coloplast if you like this week's show please be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media